Hello and welcome to WRI's Big Ideas Into Action podcast and today we're looking at biodiversity. We must reflect and reimagine our relationship between nature and this linkages between biodiversity and climate change. We'll be on the ground at the COP15 Biodiversity Summit that's just ended in Montreal and looking at the role biodiversity plays in Mexico, its economy, its culture, its society. We eat, we breathe, listen to biodiversity and depend on its ecosystem services in Mexico. Hello, I'm Nicholas Walton, and this is a special on-the-ground episode of the World Resources Institute Big Ideas Into Action podcast. Hot on the heels of the COP27 summit in Egypt was the COP15 Biodiversity Summit in the Canadian city of Montreal. In the final hours of negotiations, a deal was struck to adopt the 30 by 30 target to protect 30% of the world's land, inland waters and the ocean by 2030. Christian Telecki, Global Director of WRI's Ocean Programme, was there. He's also the head of the Secretariat of the High Level Panel for Sustainable Ocean Economy, known as the Ocean Panel. This podcast is an interview that he did in Montreal with two representatives of the Mexican government, Martha Delgado, Under Secretary for Multilateral Affairs and Human Rights, and Andrew Rhodes, Special Envoy for Oceans. They explain what marine biodiversity loss means for a mega-diverse country like Mexico and why 30 by 30 is just a stepping stone towards true sustainable management of the ocean. Bear in mind that this interview was done before the outcome of COP15 was known. Here's Christian. This conference is the biggest biodiversity summit in a decade that has been delayed for two years because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The ambition of this conference really is to reach an agreement on the urgent policy action required to reverse biodiversity decline worldwide, known as the post-2020 global biodiversity framework. The framework will provide a global roadmap for the conservation, protection, restoration, and sustainable management of biodiversity and ecosystems for the next decade. And if managed sustainably and equitably, we know that the ocean can help solve some of the world's greatest challenges. I'm sure you're familiar with, with lots of these. The Ocean Panel comprises of 17 world leaders out of formal processes who have joined together to realize the mission of sustainably managing 100% of the ocean area under national jurisdiction. So that's, yes, getting 30% protection of the ocean by 2030, but not leaving the other 70% open for business. So it's a very much a 100% approach. And the Ocean Panel's Ocean Action Agenda supports a profound departure from business as usual towards a sustainable ocean economy that helps to stimulate and tackle climate change and biodiversity loss, while at the same time providing for benefits, nature, and the economy. So to talk about this, I'm delighted to be joined by two ocean panel colleagues from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Mexico. I have Marta Delgado, who is the Undersecretary for Multilateral Affairs and Human Rights and the Sherpa for the President of Mexico, and Andrew Rhodes, who works very closely with Marta on the ocean panel work and is a special envoy for the ocean. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join me for, I think, which is a very important discussion and really relevant to the discussions going on here in Montreal. So the first question to you, Marta, uh, if I may. Biodiversity, incredibly important to Mexico. Can you tell us why it is so important? First of all, thank you, uh, Christian, for having us today here. Mexico, uh, as a microdiverse country, is part of a select group of nations uh, with the greatest diversity of animals and plants. 
almost 70% of the world diversity of a species are in Mexico. So in addition, Mexico is one of the three mega diverse countries, along with the United States and Colombia, with coastlines on both uh, the Atlantic and the Pacific. So we are home to about 10% of the species registered in the world. So we are the fifth place with the largest number of plant species. We are the fourth in uh, amphibians, second in mammals, and the first in the world in reptiles. There are more than than 100,000 described species in the country, although there could be millions of those that inhabit uh, or soils or waters or remote places because they are not enlisted right now, but uh, they are not described as a species. But we have an enormous part of land and ocean of habitats, animal habitats, plant habitats, and all the foregoing can only be translated into a great biocultural richness, which is impregnated in being our people, our history, our uses and customs, and what gives us identity as a nation. So biodiversity is embedded in our cosmogonic way of living in Mexico. We eat, we breathe, listen to biodiversity and depend on its ecosystem services in Mexico. Biodiversity, as I said, is closely related to our culture or food, for example. And in addition to the above, the cost of uh, environmental degradation and depletion of natural resources have a significant impact. Only in 2019, the National Institute of Geography and Statistics of Mexico reported that environmental losses amounted to 4.5% of the GDP. So that is equivalent approximately 1 trillion 96,000 million pesos. So we need to halt the loss of biodiversity. We need to halt the loss. And we need also to spread the word and to protect, culturally speaking, this heritage that we have uh, uh, given. So, so clearly the stakes are high. You know, you've outlined some great examples of the connection of biodiversity to people, to the health of people, to climate. So reflecting on that and thinking about that in, in the context of Montreal here at COP15, I mean, what does this conference mean to you? I mean, what does this mean to you? And, and, and perhaps what, what does Mexico hope to see as a result of this conference? Are you going to see the outcomes that you, that you hoped and, and came to Montreal to see? I would hope to uh, have a very simple reply answer to this question, but it is not. We have faced a very complex and a very uh, difficult uh, debates and negotiations. The conference is much more than a once a decade opportunity. This, uh, as you may know, has been... Uh, postponing this, this, we're supposed to be in China in the first place, but we are now in Montreal. And these conferences hope to change the rhetoric and the sick positive actions that can genuinely transform uh, the decadent patterns of consumption for a new story of humanity that takes care really for all of us living in, in the planet. And to Mexico is very important. We will emphasize that the priority of the global biodiversity framework must be to achieve an effective and inclusive implementation. In this sense, the new instrument must uh, balance the resources and responsibilities associated with both 
the coordination and implementation of the concrete actions of the NBSAP, such as improving and facilitating the reporting process with a view to strengthening transparency and accountability, which is very important in this phase of the negotiations. And Mexico, we are pledging, but most importantly, working actively to achieve a robust and ambitious post-2020 DBF. So we need a successful negotiation pathway right now where the constituent elements and goals of the framework, it means of implementation and financing and other important aspects of it are clearly showcased and adapted by all the countries. Very, very often we heard about the need of uh, conservation of the biodiversity around. But actions must be well-defined how to really preserve the biodiversity usage responsibly and uh, in our perspective also protecting the rights and the knowledge of indigenous communities, which at the end of the day, they are those uh, who have been protecting and conserving those different species and ecosystem and habitats for centuries. So that is uh, uh, why I, we are here and uh, we will be very vocal defending those, uh, those, those rights, heritage, and uh, also these policies. I mean, that's terrifically important when you talk about sort of the you know, indigenous cultures and that they have been the stewards of, of nature and biodiversity in Mexico for, for hundreds of years. And, um, and and certainly now is not the time to marginalize them. Now is the time to empower them. And you talked about the sort of the inclusive dimension of the global biodiversity framework and implementation and financing. Following up with action and financing is going to be incredibly important. And the other thing that I, I wanted to note that you said it was incredibly important was this is a once in a decade opportunity. We have had two years of incredibly intense uh, period you know, with related to our economies, our relationship with nature. COVID has really forced us to, to re-explore that. And I think we have an opportunity to get that right. And sort of talking about that, and we talk about, you know, Andrew, the, the sort of the connections between biodiversity and some of the other big challenges that, that you know, that Marta, you know, talked about here and, um, you know, a whole range of them. But, you know, we've just had COP27 uh, in Sharm el-Sheikh. Um, the connection, you know, is that, that, you know, you cannot have any Paris without a Montreal. And, and, and I'd, I'd love to hear about some of your thoughts on the, sort of these connections between you know, biodiversity and, and the challenges like, like climate change mitigation. Thank you, Kristen. And uh, we've been deprived of the opportunity to be in China of a pandemic. And, and the, pan- the pandemic is a result of the loss and the crisis of biodiversity. And as you probably uh, remember, in December 2020, a, cent- a scientific uh, outcome was produced by participants in the first ever joint, let's say, workshop between the IPCC and IPBS. Uh, and, and the peer-reviewed report uh, authored by more than 50 world-leading biodiversity and climate experts confirmed that nature and climate are intrinsically linked. And then that un- unprecedented change in climate and biodiversity driven obviously by human activities have merged in, in, into an increasingly threat to nature, human life, livelihoods and overall well-being around the planet. The pandemic is a perfect result of it. So we must reflect and reimagine a relationship between nature and this uh, linkages between uh, biodiversity and climate change. Obviously said the above, uh, it's, it's fundamental that, that biodiversity loss and climate change are driven, these crises are driven by human activities and uh, they mutually reinforce each other. Uh, this was a first, let's say, call to order from nature to us 
to our means of, of living. It's a, a, it's an excellent opportunity. And as Marta said, once in a decade opportunity to reflect and adjust and be ambitious. You know, obviously in the context of this, and we talk about the ocean, this unprecedented uh, opportunity to, um, you know, use your membership uh, in the ocean panel. And the president has, has been very clear and committed to a whole range of actions that would improve the state of the world, the state of the ocean, the state of biodiversity in, in Mexico and, and beyond. How has your membership of the ocean panel with these other 16 heads of state and government helped shape your, you know, your work? The exchange of information is important, but also in our case, the ability of coordinate several different ministries at the Mexican government in order for all to gather information and the willingness to explore the possibility of having a sustainable ocean economy. It's very interesting to say that for the first time, we are not fighting against environmentalists and uh, the fishers, for example, or the industry. Why? Because both we need the sustainable ocean economy and the very approach of a sustainable ocean economy that brings the conservation and also the uh, fisheries to the discussion and having this balance between these two important matters for the country has been instrumental for Mexico. I mean, that's an incredible example of, of in, in the panel. I mean, I think, and, and I know that the work that you've done has led to exchanges with other countries outside your region. You know, and I think that's what the panel is all about, is sharing this knowledge and information with other countries, leading by example, and making sure that everyone is brought along and leaving no one behind, which I think is very important in the things we talk about. Um, and, and it really is, is emblematic of that, you know, in a time when we are increasing in a geopolitical polarized world, that multilateralism is alive and, and not reliant on formal processes. We can move with speed and space, uh, pace and scale in order to, to achieve some of these, these ocean outcomes. And so, I mean, incredibly sort of important what, what you hope to, you know, to achieve um, you know, here. But Andrew, you know, where do we go from here? You know, and, and you know, I, 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 in the back of my mind, I'm a little worried. I'm walking in the hallways here and I'm hitting, hearing the chatter and I'm hearing that there's maybe a, a, a dilution of ambition. You know, let's, you know, push the target timeline beyond 2030, 2045, 2050. We don't have the luxury of time with some of these issues. We all know, you know, this, and, and you are acutely aware of them, especially when we're talking about the state of the environment importance of, of biodiversity um, in, in Mexico. And certainly you, you don't want to go at this alone. You want to go together because we, together we can go, go faster. So, Andrew, where do we go from here? COP15 is sometimes seen only as the conference of the 30 by 30. No, there's this general confusion that people are only thinking about the proposed target three that relates to protecting 30% of the planet by 2030. And it's much more than that. You said it in the beginning, the, the vision of the 100% of the ocean panels should be mainstreamed into the ambition of uh, COP15 results. Mexico, in fact, Taking advantage of the learning and, the, and, this, and this platform of, of the Ocean Panel, we um, uh, announced our active participation in the High Ambition Coalition for People and Nature of 30 by 30 because of the panel. So the hope of reaching a theory of change uh, where human beings uh, correct the course 
for the benefit of ourselves and nature will 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 be fundamental in this conference even in in face of the worst scenario of probably not having an agreement uh, uh being reached by the, the 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 end of the week or under a scenario of scarce ambition of its instrument we must to reinforce and put again the vision of 100%. We have, we have to push. We cannot leave Montreal without uh, an ambitious uh, framework. And although we've mentioned that this is a huge opportunity that, that rarely occurs, uh, even in decades, we must uh, also remember that there are uh, multiple spaces and instruments, both multilateral and local, where we can have a positive impact year after year to benefit the goals set out here in, uh, and hopefully for the, these, these, this new GBF. It, it only requires commitment, will, and without any doubt, diligence. It's great to have your optimism. You know, I, I think in a world where we're, we're very short on that, um, and especially in some of the hallways, I think you find there's some people that are, are maybe not sharing that sense of optimism. And, and I hope that you can certainly take that forward into some of the negotiations and, and really say, you know, let's, let's really go forward together um, and really see this as, a, as an opportunity to, you know, to keep that ambition but also making sure that we have a, a balanced view of that that includes the dimension of, of people, planet, and the economy. Um, and that those are certainly critically important you know, to, uh, to countries. Marta, I just want to come to you. I just, you know, we've, we've sort of talked about a whole range of things, and I just wondered if you had any sort of final sort of thoughts and reflections that you'd want to leave some of the listeners with. Well, I have to say that we have conference of the parties regarding a lot of matters environmental ones, but also regarding population, peace, uh, security, economy, a lot of matters. Environmental conference of the parties have become the, the places, not just where the countries uh, make agreements, but also where other organizations can gather, exchange information, and move on even without the governments. And that is very interesting, not just for oceans, but for biodiversity and for any other purposes. So uh, it is a great opportunity of, uh, for knowing and understanding the uh, last research, for example, in, in biodiversity, what is the status of the species in the world to meet people that maybe are not politicians, but are devoted of protecting the planet. When we connect with these NGOs, with these citizens, with young people, with indigenous communities, uh, even with uh, some private sector uh, entrepreneurs that want to do things better and good, then we are, as a government representative or official, we get inspired, we get committed, and uh, I hope we can deliver. We can deliver for all those fighters that are working every day for a better world. That's a terrific note to end on. I mean, I think there's obviously a, a great deal of optimism. You know, we are thinking about this, and, and, and I think it's important to convey this message to those that are not in Montreal, that this is not a bunch of governments that are sitting around. These are a, a whole range of actors, um, from business to civil society, NGOs, community, indigenous groups that are here celebrating biodiversity, but also recognizing its importance you know, in culture. Um, in society, and I think, but what better place to, you know, to hopefully make some progress on that in Montreal here at, at COP15. Perhaps the, the, the sort of a final thought for me on, on this in terms of, you know, the mantra of the high-level panels that we know that if we effectively protect the ocean, we can sustainably produce from it, 
and equitably prosper. And so those three P's are you know, fundamental to uh, you know, how we move forward with the ocean. And that was Christian Telecki of WRI's Ocean Programme at the COP15 Biodiversity Summit in Montreal with Martha Delgado and Andrew Rhodes from the Government of Mexico. You can find out more about the summit and its outcomes on our website, wri.org, including much more on our Ocean Programme. If you go to wri.org slash podcasts, you'll find some of our podcasts about how a sustainable ocean economy is possible and critical for the entire planet. Or simply subscribe on your favourite podcast app. That's it for this episode. I'm Nicholas Walton and goodbye for now.